Hello, everyone. Today, I have on Graham Marvin, who is a fellow classmate of mine in the Doctor of Physiotherapy program at Bond University and former strength conditioning coach. He'll go into more about himself when we get into the episode. Um, but today, I had him on, and we talked about uh, an array of topics here that can benefit a lot of people. Kind of first, starting off with Graham used to work at Exos, so he kind of talked about the general structure of how Exos's programs a workout, and he talked about the importances of each aspect of um, the workout and kind of how you can implement that and a couple examples of each one. So that's a benefit for athletes and coaches. Another thing we talked about was, I think the biggest and most important thing we talked about is Graham has experience working at levels from the high school level to the college level and the pro level. So whether you're an athlete or coach, you can. we talk about the focuses for kind of each of these different levels of what you should focus on training-wise. We talk about how they uh, differ a little bit. And then Graham also, we kind of finish off talking about more of a recovery um, from a recovery type standpoint or sort of a load management, I guess. Of But Graham went to massage school in short. And so he kind of uses a combination of strength and conditioning and his massage school learnings um, in a unique way um, to facilitate this recovery. So um, listen to this episode and appreciate Graham for being on. Here it is. Welcome to No Weak Links with Patrick Wood. The purpose of this podcast is to help you learn up-to-date evidence-based content and knowledge through life experiences. This podcast is perfect for athletes, coaches, parents of athletes, or any active person looking to improve their fitness or athletic ability. So please, have a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to No Week Links. I am Patrick Wood, your host, and today I have on Graham Marvin, who is a current classmate at um, Bond University in our doctor physiotherapy program, who also has a lot of past experience in strength and conditioning. So thanks for being on, Graham. And thanks for having me on, Patrick. First, just want to talk about just an introduction to yourself, um, kind of how you got into it, education, job experience, stuff like that. So you always like like me to start at the very beginning? <laughs> yeah, dude. Very <laughs> beginning of your story. Yeah, sure. So, you know, honestly, it, it just kind of happened by chance, which was interesting. I used I spent most of my life cooking in kitchens, and I was cooking with somebody on the line, and he I started at Oregon State, and I thought about going to strength and conditioning. Didn't really know much about it. I just love always had like a passion for fitness, and wanted to do it. And this guy. I was already doing it. He was a few years ahead of me. And so he just happened to guide me in the right direction and showed me all the people that I needed to meet. And I met the the person at the time. His name is Guido Van Rijsegem, and he became my mentor, lucky enough. So he is, a, if you don't know who he is, look him up. He's got a lot of fantastic information on proprioception and just overall his training system is really good. And uh, that was at Oregon State. And then I got into the strength and conditioning side at Oregon State University, working with lots of various athletes over there. I started with football, didn't really like it, and made me regret or made me think about if I got into the right thing, as I'm sure we've all had in this industry. Am Mm -hmm. I doing the right thing? It's kind of a natural way to go about it. But then I started working with the Oregon State baseball team. I was with them for two and a half years and loved it. Every second of it. It was fantastic. Great culture, great strength coach, great uh, coaching staff, uh, phenomenal players. Everyone was there for a common goal. Did that for two and a half years. At the same time, I was also working with Guido as a 
rehab specialist underneath him, at the, underneath him, who's an, uh, Gita, who's an athletic trainer, and did that for two and a half years as well while, while I was at Oregon State, working with various Oregon State uh, students and faculty, just rehabbing them in the weight room and whatever else that they needed using Gita's system for rehab. From there, I went to Exos, did a five-month mentor or internship with them where I was lucky enough to do their mentorship program at the same time. We can go into that later on if you want. And then got a job with Exos, working with them at their Adidas North American headquarters in Portland, Oregon, and did that for two and a half years or so, or a little over two and a half years, and went to massage school at the same time I was doing that, massage therapy school. And loved massage therapy school and strength conditioning so much that I wanted to just keep elevating it and keep getting more education. And so I decided to come to Bonn University to get my physiotherapy degree. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so you've had a lot of different kind of uh, influences uh, with at Oregon State along with Exos that have all kind of shaped how you've programmed yourself. So if today we maybe just can kind of start off talking about um, what you've kind of put together and pieced together from different all the different um, places you've been and kind of how you think about programming. Uh, I always do an assessment first, just some, something super simple. Assessment is everything because mm-hmm. if you're going to be training someone and you don't do any assessment at all, you're just going to be putting strength on top of dysfunction and it's only a matter of time before the pyramid crumbles, right? If you have the bottom is is your stability and everything else and they're not stable or mobile and you're putting strength on top of everything else because you're trying to make the pyramid as high as it can go you're uh, you're asking for an issue or some sort of injury so assessment is always good and it, it can be anything from an fms to a y balance to just something simple as a gait analysis or can they touch their toes it doesn't have to be anything crazy and it can be very person specific right because it's, it needs to be related to their goals. So assessment is everything. I always like to just do, can you touch your toes? Uh, Check their squat, check their lunge, just basic movement patterns and seeing what they're able to do. And also just mobile. Can you bring your arms overhead? Do they lean back as they go? Just pretty simple stuff in order to to just assess what is going on with them. Because the the treatment, uh, strength and conditioning, whatever you want to call it, is going to write itself. That's not the hardest part. The hardest part is getting to understand how their body works because every individual is an individual. It's, it's an N1 anytime you write a program. I think that's the most important part to remember. Now, for some general guidelines and general blanket stuff, I love the EXO system and I still incorporate that into my programming, how I program for people now, as well as for myself and anybody else. And it's always, I always start with, with their warm up. So they go into, uh, they go into dynamic mobility and they go into hip activation as well as movement integration and neural activation. Now you have those four. There also is a fifth one that they don't, they sometimes talk about and they might've added it back into their system. It was just general movement. So you could have the athlete go for just a quick jog, 20 meters, just really light, just something moving, really nothing that taxing just to get blood flow. And you go to hip activation. Those are usually mini band work. So mini band lateral steps to get the glute medius and minimus going and just overall hip stability. 
You can do forward and backward walks. There's lots of stuff to do with that. And then you go into dynamic mobility. So that would be along the lines of the world's greatest stretch, just getting the body moving three-dimensionally. Excuse me, three-dimensionally. And then you go into movement integration, which is more of your skips. So A skip, B skip, C skips bounds, uh, sorry, not bounds, but a, the, the skips, you could do some bounding a little bit if as long as it's more of the movement integration. And that's a little bit more of that, not movement skill so much, but just being able to understand that coordination. So it's nothing too intense. Again, you're just trying to learn how to move the body. And I really enjoy that one because you really see a lot of athletes fail in what's, what should be very simplistic movements but they're not simplistic movements. They are actually quite coordinated and that's how you help develop that. And then from there you go into neural activation and this is small amplitude, high velocity movement. So this could be a pre-plyometric or a drop squat. And then what they call fast feet or shuffle feet, just little things, just uh, getting the feet running, basically running in place with the small amplitude movements of your feet, barely moving off the ground just to get the nervous system sparked up and ready to go for the, the for the next part of the session. And that's just the warm-up, 10 to 15 minutes long, and really incorporates everything and gets you going. Okay. Um, and then is there anything, kind of a similar approach to the general program of the workout, or is that pretty much um, individual-based upon yourself with the exos? So that is... You know, that's just an overarching idea, and then you can yep. kind of plug and play whatever else you need. Again... You know, if I'm just working with someone who just wants to get jacked and tan, they probably don't need yeah. movement movement integration. They're not going to care about skips yeah. and bounds and coordination and all that. You could sell it to them as a way that they could learn to move their body better, which is a great way to go about it. But it might not be for them. Because then after that, you can start. I love doing plyometrics and med ball work. If, if med ball work is available, you can always do some plyometric work. Uh, but I'm a big fan of plyometrics. Uh, that's in all of my my programming, uh, 100%. And then from there, you go into the strength block. And then some conditioning and then regen, which is just recovery, which could be the exact same as your pillar prep, which makes it that full cycle. Okay. And you've had experience working with football and baseball. You say your main two that you've kind of worked with? Um. Main one would be baseball, baseball. and lacrosse. Lacrosse. Okay, yeah. so do you want to maybe go into a couple things you really like to focus on for them? And I don't know if maybe even some stuff with, since they are kind of overhead um, dominant, uh, I guess, sort of with the throwing, if there's anything you incorporate with that as well to help with shoulders. Yeah, so with, uh, we'll go with lacrosse, you know, a little rotational, multi-directional sport with the overhead component. So you kind of have a little bit of everything. Uh, that one, I find, now I was working with a high school lacrosse team and there's a lot of, you can get really crazy with stuff. You could look up stuff by Eric Cressy for all the shoulder. And, you know, he's working with high-end athletes who really need that extra, you know, 0.1% advantage. Mm-hmm. Where with high schoolers, I have found that they just need to learn how to move. They they aren't the most coordinated bunch. 
Mm-hmm. And it could be some of them specialize too early. And, not, and I'm not sorry. I'm not saying that all of them don't know how to move. But you, especially when you get the younger athletes, the freshmen, the eighth graders, they just need to learn how to move and work on some mobility. So if we go to the weight room and we're doing our phase one anatomical adaptation time for the next four to six weeks, this is just general movement and getting them acclimated to moving their bodies and tissue tolerance and getting them used to doing everything. A lot of them will just be using goblet squats, which I find Mm. goblet squats is a great way to just learn how to control your body, keep an upright torso for trunk activation as overall, just learning how to coordinate and contract everything. Either that or a landmine squat. Are you familiar with the landmine squat? Yeah, yeah, I really like that movement as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that one because especially for people who have a forward torso lean, who don't know how to control it, the barbell is right there just to stop you. It forces you to use your hips a lot more. I'd use that a lot with my my clients as well in rehab. Yeah, so maybe we can talk about, I guess, this kind of would be maybe a better way to talk about it. Since you've worked at literally the whole spectrum from high school to college (laughs) to pro, if we maybe talk about kind of the focuses at each level as they are different, whereas you said at the beginning just with a high school level, having just to get them to move correctly is the biggest thing. Whereas maybe then go into the college level of what's more of your focus with them and then kind of in the pro um, of the differences. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That sounds good. Uh, So as I was already saying with high school, it's getting them to move and getting them to move more with what they have and, and teaching them. I find that's the biggest thing is that you really have to just teach them and you have to be a good educator with the high school athletes because especially with everything that's on social media now, they see all this stuff and they want to do all these things and they, for the most part, aren't prepared to do this stuff. They have a very young training age. Some of them definitely are more gifted. They've been training for years, so their training age is much higher where it could be three to four years training age where some of the kids have zero training age and they don't understand their body. When I say... You know, you're going to skip starting on your left foot with a left knee up in the air. They move their left leg and their left arm at the same time, looking like a puppet as they move (laughs) because they don't have that coordination down yet. So I find with them, education is key in getting them to buy in by educating them on what their goals are, or not educating them what their goals, but relating what your training system is doing back to their goals and how they can get better. And I find that's the biggest part of them and just helping them stay injury free. So that way they can keep playing because they should not be getting ACL tears when they're 14, 15 years old. Their body Mm -hmm. should be pretty resilient and springy and ready to go at that age. They shouldn't, that shouldn't be happening. And unfortunately it's a reality of what's going on. So trying to keep them young, healthy and fit, not trying to keep them young because they are young, (laughs) trying to keep them, (laughs) trying to keep them healthy and fit as much as we can. Um, and when we get into college, it's really, I, I have, I feel it's about maximizing what they have, maximizing their potential. Cause a lot of these kids, especially with baseball, they're going to get drafted in their junior year. So they have, yep. they've got those three years, two to three years to really maximize what they have and to really push it. And most of them are already just going in and they're, they're committed they're committed and they want to ex- excel and do this. So it's really great because we would start at 5.15 in the mornings and we would go for an hour and a half in the, in the gym and they're all ready to go. But especially with such a asymmetrical sport like baseball, yeah, 
we really have to to push on on the injury prevention. So a lot of rotator cuff work at different angles, you know, so elbow supported, band supported, Cuban presses, a lot of that stuff just really strengthening those external rotators external rotators for that deceleration in the baseball throw, but also a lot of rotational work for that swing. But working on that rotational on the opposite side as well, because if you're just constantly swinging and then they're taking hundreds and hundreds of swings uni, unidirectionally, you know, or unilaterally on that one side, we need to make sure both sides are nice and strong. So even doing a lot of anti-rotation work. So that anti-rotation work is going to be uh, insanely important for them for overall just trunk control, which is, which is needed. Uh, but also just getting them strong, just, yeah. just, just getting them really strong and injury resilient, yeah. which is, which is another thing too. And again, educating them because they're getting, they can get their heads filled with everything that they're doing. They're in college, they're having fun. They just want to put some heavy weight on the bar yep. and do half reps sometimes. So you just got to <laughs> hammer it in that if you got the mobility, you can go down, you should be going down. But of course it always depends on their hip dynamics on whether they're, they are able to go. Mm-hmm. as far down as they can comfortably yep and then pro wise did you notice anything different whereas the college setting was well and i agree with you too because i kind of had not as much experience as you but i did have a little bit at each one where one year i was working i was at the high school level um and then i had college level was athletic training and some strength and conditioning and being an athlete myself kind of got to experience it and then i had an internship at the pro level of the nfl and it, i do agree with you that first one is just getting them to move is the biggest thing because even seeing them watching them is just like cringeworthy <laughs> at points of trying, like yeah. why are you loading up when you just can't even do that body weight so that's a really good point as well with the college one. It's, it was, you know, and it is kind of hard too because a lot of high schools will, they'll, or a lot of high schools will come in with such varied, I guess, backgrounds. And some high schools have good strength coaches, some have no strength coaches. And so some, yeah. that's, I feel like the, maybe the biggest variance is that coming into college. But then, yeah, once they do get that down, then loading and getting them strong is the most important. And then I guess one of the biggest things I realized, at least between my two of college and pro, of kind of having experiences on both of those is college, even late college, though sometimes this is the true, is um, college you are trying to build up as much as you can. Pro you're trying to maintain what you have, try to keep going for as long as you can, deal with all the injuries you've accumulated, and then it's so much more focused on the sports, at least in NFL, that was like meetings, meetings, meetings. You're more, it was more of an expected to be, you're supposed to come in kind of as uh, in shape yourself. We're going to give you some stuff to do it, but a lot of this is keeping healthy and then under, is training your mind more at the NFL, what I saw at least. So I don't know if you kind of saw it. I mean, you didn't work. Yours was more of a one-on-one trying to get them to um, be the best they can physically. Um, but did you just in that training of the college system of improving strength and all that to maybe the professional players of more of a, like a prehab prevention type stuff. Was that maybe more your focus? Yeah. So when I was at Exos and this is most of my professional experience came from my internship at Exos. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time we just worked with the MLB and that was like you said, just a lot of injury prevention. These guys, most of them have been playing for years yeah. We're not going to make them any better. We're, I mean, in the strength and conditioning field, we're generalists. 
I mean, mm-hmm. what, what we do is just do general work because you have the sport coaches to make them better at their sport. That's yep. two separate worlds. And a lot of these guys have been playing for years. We're not really going to increase them. They have their contracts. They're playing. They're playing healthy. Job is to keep them resilient and healthy and prehab. Just yeah. keep the, keep their body moving and try and minimize anything that might be breaking down on them. Now, when you get into the NFL combine training, that's another story. Again, these guys are coming out of college and it's about maximizing what they have so that way they can go on. And I don't have any experience with that. That was just uh, what I had seen when I was there, but I wasn't really working with that. A couple NFL guys, but nothing really that much. Mainly just MLB and then youth soccer so it is interesting to see the contrast during the day i'm working with mlb guys just don't hurt them you know when i take them out on (laughs) take them out on the field to do their movement prep and get them ready for their workouts just basically i'm just running them through the stuff they're all chit-chatting having fun and just there because it's the off season now and they're there to a little decompress and just keep their bodies in shape so that way they can keep playing the game that they love yeah and I mean, I was I had another coach on the other day, and we talked about how it's like arguably more important at, or if you would agree with the statement, arguably more important. You can argue that strength and conditioning in the high school level is almost more important than the than the pro level. Whereas the pro, you're trying to keep them going. Whereas the that first one, you're literally trying to build the rest of their athletic career. I guess. Yeah, that's, and that's exactly that base of that pyramid. the The top can only be as high as the bases, and with with high school yeah you are you are trying to build that base you're trying to instill as much education into them as you can that they will hold on to and take into college that they will take into the professionals that they will take even after their careers have ended because it's not just about what they can do off the field it's about what uh, on the field it's about what they can do off the field when the field is no longer there and they're they're transitioned out of the game because it's a, you know it's a sad reality it's an, it's an eventuality but you want to make sure that they have the skills to keep taking care of themselves when they no longer have a strength coach to tell them what to do, when they no longer have a dietitian to tell them what to do, that you educate <laughs> yeah. them to, to be able to be autonomous and succeed when you're not around. So that way you can trust them. I mean, they, they can trust themselves if you're not there that day or if they're going to go work out on their own, they can take care of themselves. So yeah, uh, high school training is a big job and I absolutely love it. It's mm-hmm. so much fun because the kids just want to play and have fun, but they're also there to work, yeah. which is really good too. So I, I quite enjoy that high school dynamic and it's something I definitely would like to get back to as well. So since, um, I guess how different would you say education wise and just the training would be with you worked at the kind of the high school college, you're going to have athletes for extended periods of time. And then they're going to go in the off season, and most of the time they have a bit of time off where you're not going to see them, so you have to do education-wise. Whereas excess is kind of the exact opposite of they're with someone year-round, then they come to you in the off season, so you only have X amount of time to train them, and then they go back to their strength coach. So kind of what – were there any main differences that you did there or kind of, I guess, the differences with those? So when they're at Exos, and their Exos system is phenomenal, so if you don't know it, you should definitely check it out. But when they're at the Exos facility, and this is in Phoenix, Arizona, or Scottsdale, Arizona, where I was at, their, their headquarters, <clears throat> when they go there, they have the training, they have the strength coach that, that are always around, they have the physiotherapist that are always around, they have a nutrition or a dietitian that's around, and they also have their own kitchen. So the athletes can come 
eat breakfast. They can eat lunch after they train. Uh, they have everything that you're going to need under one roof. So it's all encompassing and it's, it's maximizing mm -hmm. and it's fantastic. You know, it's, yeah. it's great. Um, but with, but with high school, like you said, I mean, I don't know what they're going to have after when the athlete goes back to the, the, their sport. They're probably going to have a lot of that very similar stuff. But with high school, you know, for me, I only had them for five months or mm -hmm. so. That's all we are allowed because uh, with the, the, the contact time that you're allowed to have with the high school. So, you know, I, and ideally, yeah, I'd have a, a you know, a, micro, a macro cycle of maybe an anatomical adaptation phase for maybe five, eight weeks to get these athletes to really learn how to use their bodies. Mm -hmm. But realistically, it changed on the fly. I have the whole program written and I go, <laughs> oh, oh man, I got to change this. Uh, things came up. We got holidays coming up. They can't do this. They can't do that. There's prom. There's all these other things that <laughs> are going on in high school at the time that they're going to miss weeks at a time. Yeah. And you just kind of have to make do with what you got and, uh, and hope for the best and make a little few compromises and sacrifices, but all in relation to not what I want, but what they need. And I think that's the important part because I want them to do all this stuff. I think this is what they need. This is what they yeah. want. But all of it, in reality, again, it comes back to N equals one. What does that person need at this time? Because in the weight room, they're all going to be at different levels. Whereas at the professional, they're all high leveled. You can yeah. do a lot of the same stuff with them. But when you get to the high school, this kid's over here on goblet squats well, this kid's back squatting 300 pounds yep. and they're both the exact same age and I have yep. to monitor both of them at the same time. So you really have to be multitasking quite a bit, which is, uh, which is a lot, but a very, very fun. Yeah. Is, does that answer your question? Is that what yeah, you're yeah. asking? Yeah, okay. for sure. And then you talked a lot of kind of touched on education wise and you're, you how much you value that and how important you think that is and i know we kind of talked about the different levels um before too in a general education wise but it's i feel like it, they understand it more as they get older but do you have anything you say specifically to each group of educating why strength conditioning is important um as in obviously the actual sports your number one priority but strength conditioning still does have an importance and then do you how do you kind of explain that to each group whereas the high school that kind of college and then the pro level they might not as much need to know in the pro level but maybe some people i always try and give uh <clears throat> excuse me give advice when when it's needed or wanted sorry mm -hmm. i just try not to give unsolicited advice when i'm coaching you you have to give someone unsolicited advice just a little bit here and there for safety techniques and all of that with high school i always try and relate what we're doing how it will hopefully transition onto the field and how this will help them be better at their sport, uh, whatever that may be. And I talk, what I always try and relate it back to them a little bit here and there. And as you build that trust and as, as they start to trust you more, then you can start giving them a little bit more. So, uh, my last year with the guys, some of the other guys, the, the, the seniors I'd already been with, and this was my second year with them, and I had already seen them a bunch and build up that good rapport. So if I asked them to do something, they knew I had a good reason to, and they, they trusted whatever I was saying and why I was doing something. I know, of course, I would still give the education, uh, but uh, I try not to over over explain everything just mm -hmm. little bits here and there and then when they start to ask me 
that's when I'll give them more of the explanation because they will come to you for advice. Hey, coach, I saw this. Should we do, add this into the program? And you know, I would, I try, I will, I try not to ever badmouth anything because that's going to ruin your reputation. And trust, yep. if you're badmouthing what other people are doing, it's it's not it's not my place to say to begin with because what's good for one person might not be good for another, mm-hmm. and it's important to see both sides of the story. So yep. when I do have athletes coming up to me and asking that. If it's something that they really want and it's going to have a better compliance rate with what's going on, I'm all for it. You know, mm-hmm. with, with the training team, they were all getting in uh, with the high school team. They're all getting into finals and they were really asking me for just some arm farm. They want to just get their arms going. Mm-hmm. You know, and I said one day at the end, all right, you know, what? instead of conditioning today, we're just going to do arms and abs. Not really what I wanted to do, but it's what yep. they wanted, and they got super excited. They told their mm-hmm. friends, all the all the other athletes who had missed that day session, <laughs> and so you know I had a better retention rate yeah. for that following and ends up uh, the following sessions, which was really nice. You know, it's, yeah. it's a lot about giving them what they need, but with a little bit of what they want, mm-hmm. and that's how you kind of keep them coming back. Well, that's, that's a good point. So. You also, like I said, went to massage school throughout um, or during uh, you, your career. What? How did you kind of um, mend the two together? Or what did you like to do that you found that worked really well? Well, while I was at Adidas or Adidas, since I mispronounce <laughs> it because I'm an American, <clears throat> when I was there, you know, I, w- I would write programs for everybody, and anybody who wanted a program, I would have them. So I. I had classes that I taught. I was there for 40 hours. So we're there to educate the staff, uh, help them out, nutritional consultations, uh, anything that they may need, fitness consultations, fitness assessments, things like that. Anybody who wanted to come to and get a program from me, I would just write because that's just my job. I would write programs. But I'd have them come to my classes that I had taught, general strength and conditioning classes, fitness foundation, stuff like that. I would have them come for several weeks so that way they can see how I, I run my classes, I can see their form, see their dedication level, see what they're willing to do. And then from there, I can write them a program that's more tailored to them because I'm not going to be around them. To It's similar to, to personal training, but I'm not going to sit there the whole hour with them because I have a lot of other tasks I need to be doing. So I have to trust that they're doing that on their own. So, oh, excuse me. So what I would do is they would do their program and then and one of the other classes that I taught was called a, a regen class or just a, a recovery class where anybody can come in and it's an hour where you can come in to work on with whatever you need. So we had foam rollers, we had uh, yoga tune-up balls, we had massage sticks, we had, uh, we had the boots, the Normatec, Normatec. compression, yeah. yeah, Normatec compression boots. We had a lot of soft tissue toys uh, for them to come in. And so people would come in, say, hey, what's aching on this? Or I would know that, let's say, this guy, he's squatting, but he starts to shift over to his right side. So we need to work on his internal external rotation and the hip capsule a little bit like that. So that's how I would start combining the massage school with that. So I would get maybe 10 people, 10 plus people in the class, give or take a few people, depending on the day. Uh, And then basically each person would have an individualized program Mm. in that class because they would all come really regularly because even if people didn't want to work out, they could come to the regen class and just lie down for a little bit, (laughs) hang out on a foam roller. It was just a good little break for some people where a lot of people would come in and really work on the issues that are going on with them. Mm. If an overhead press, 
their lats are restricting their movement, so they start arching instead. So I would see that in the weight room, they would come in and I would go, okay, you need X, Y, Z, do this, 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 cool. Next person, go to the next person. I know what they need or they would come if I, if I didn't write their program and they say, hey, uh, I'm having an issue right here. I would go, okay, cool. Let's do this, 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 and then move on to the next person. So everyone would have an individualized program as they came in. So it was really nice to be able to get a lot of experience and a lot of hands-on time because some of the guys didn't mind. You know, I'm a student, so I was, I'm allowed to work on them if they need it. So throw an elbow in their glute, get a little bit more of that hip rotation, work on that internal external rotation, or a little bit of pin and stretch in the lat. But really, a lot of that stuff was about educating. So getting into massage school, learning how the body moves. Mm-hmm. So that way you can impart how someone can take care of themselves outside of the classroom. Again, I know I've said this in a lot. I'm, I'm big on education because mm-hmm. they, I'm all about teaching people to be autonomous because my goal as a, as a strength and conditioning coach, a physiotherapist, what have you, is that I want them to know how to take care of themselves so that way they don't ever have to come back and see me again. Yep. So that way they're on their own. And that's, that's what I feel. That's what I was trying to marry the two with massage school and strength and conditioning is just being able to give them the tools to take care of themselves. So yes, sometimes I wouldn't have my hands on them at all. I would show them what to do, give them a little hands on. So that way they know what the feeling is like and what they should mm-hmm. be feeling and then show them how to do it. All right, do this X amount of times a week for X amount of times during the session. And then that should help resolve that issue. Yeah, so pretty much kind of like being a strength and conditioning coach for mobility almost of just writing yeah. <laughs> certain programs and then giving them. So it's literally the same thing, just working instead of on performance, you know, with mobility and all that and, and injury prevention. And that's yeah, that's a good combination to even just you know, combine giving them something different that's more of a recovery than, a, uh, I guess, performance enhancement. And a lot of times athletes even need that. Um, I know yeah. when I was in school, like uh, when I was an athlete back in the day, um, we would uh, sometimes just be completely dead and we'd, uh, out, the coaches would talk to each other and that's what we do. We'd go in and we'd just do some some light band work, some you know stretching, mobility work, foam rolling, all that com- combined just to kind of, like you said, like a regen, just to get you ready to go again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a great combination. Yeah, I think it's it's. It's needed, especially when you get to at Adidas, where a lot of the people, as I was saying before, are ex-Olympic, ex-collegiate, ex-professional athletes that have transitioned onto the professional side from their business or marketing degrees, mm-hmm. and they still have that high performance mentality. Whether they're, I mean, so I would work with the directors of Adidas, uh, board members, all of this, and these people are high level functioning. They are working all the time, and they work out all the time. And they are just demanding on their bodies. And, yeah. you know, you just have to say, take a break. Yeah. This is, this is what's going to help you get stronger. Your muscles grow when you recover. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another big thing. I feel like even at the high school or college level, that's another thing getting people to understand is it's not the more you do, it's the better. It's going to, you're going to have to also recover. And if you don't give your body the time to do that, I feel like I was even personally, I feel like I slightly overtrained. Like, this is all just in retrospect, so honestly, I have no idea. But I do feel like by Wednesday, I was completely dead, and then half the week just didn't benefit me with how hard we were going all the time. Um, but everyone is different, and yeah. so everyone – it's kind of hard. I mean, it's so hard in, in any system to be like, 
oh, so this guy's hurting today, pretty tired. Everyone, everyone else seems good, or this one's half good. We need to make this one sort of a medium practice for this guy, hard practice for this guy, soft, like easy practice. It's, so it's just hard, but going in and doing extra stuff like that's going to probably be really beneficial for anyone. Yeah, and that was a, a big thing that I always try and impart with the people. So on Fridays at Adidas, I had Recovery Fridays. I'd make it a part of anything that I was doing because these people, they work hard, they come to the workout, and then they go straight back to work. So your body doesn't know the difference in stress. The same thing, stress is stress, however you want to do it. Uh, the same, hap- th- same things happen physiologically. So if you're going from a high-stress job to a high-stress workout, back to your high-stress job, uh, you're the workout is just compounding more stress and there's never, uh, there's never a, a downslope to it. There's never that recovery, you know, with you go into alarm resistance and then you go into just the overtraining. Yeah. So I'd always try and have people just educate them again, where we would spend 10 minutes doing leg drain. That's where you just lie on the ground with your butt up on the wall and your hips bent at 90 degrees, your legs straight, just some, some deep breathing for five to 10 minutes and just really get them to bring back down that baseline so that way they can start to the recovery process. Because otherwise they're just in that heightened state continuously yeah. 40 plus hours a week. And it's only a matter of time before you break down. Something happens. <laughs> Did you do uh, anything at the the high school college levels? Kind of the same thing, whereas you were probably with them, I mean, maybe a little bit more as in, you could kind of tell or what, what did you do to tell if the athlete was maybe in that stage of, I need to back off a little bit today, or this guy needs to take it easy and do this sort of kind of regen, I guess, type of day. Did you do anything to determine that other than just regular communication specifically? Sometimes with some of the teams we would do uh, the jump mat. And if they're below 90%, of what their vertical max is, then they might do a lighter day. That is a great idea in theory, but when you've got 45 athletes and two mats to run through, (laughs) you you, you eat up a lot of time doing that. The other one Uh, uh, is like the hand dynamometer, I think. That's another one that's got research on it, but still the same thing pretty much. eh? Exactly. So, And again, it's also going to be hard when you're training athletes at 5.15, 5.30 in the morning. The nervous system is still trying to wake up and still trying to get going a little bit. So what we'd end up doing more so, at least with the, the, the college baseball players, is looking at their numbers and just looking yep. at past trends, right? If he should be hitting 315, uh, that's pounds. Uh, <laughs> if he should be hitting 315 for five today because we know his max and we know the Boyd-Epley formula and we can calculate what his max is, but he's only hitting 260 and he's struggling to hit three reps on that, we know that he's real gassed and he should take a break. Now, that's an extreme example, but we did look for things like that. Or uh, if they did just have a game, then we know that this pitcher needs to do in the, the, the recovery workout. So we would have backup workouts in place for them if they did just play or if they're going to play and there would be that flux a little bit here and there. And I would, for me, that's what we would do at Oregon State. But when I'm training for people, I always tell them, to, I do a lot of auto-regulatory training. Mm-hmm. So that is the best way. Again, it's a teaching method and it takes time to understand. But with auto-regulatory training, I always tell them to keep two reps left in the tank. One to two it's reps like left in the RPE tank. RPE type thing? Yep, exactly. 
RPE of uh, eight or nine. And I just find it simpler just to say, keep two reps left in the tank. And that way they can keep training at a higher threshold and keep pushing themselves, but without mm-hmm. going to fatigue. Cause again, you really have to, it takes a while to learn. Cause you're like, I don't know how many more reps I can do. Yeah. And that's, you just have to lift and you can figure it out eventually. And you start paying more attention. But I find that's a much better way to go about for people who, who aren't able to eat, sleep and breathe lifting. They have jobs, they have, they have families, they have other things to do besides be an athlete. And even with athletes, it is good to do because you can do it. Cause sometimes you come in and try and hit 85% for four or five reps and and you can't, it's just not happening. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Is would the kind of recovery prehab stuff you do with them be the same as you talked about before? Or was there anything more specific you would do for the high school, college pro athletes as you did with more of the what you did at with at at adidas it it depends i yeah if they come in and they're just gassed i might just have them do something really light a lot of body weight stuff some Mm -hmm. lunges some multi-directional lunges some goblet squats uh some maybe some yoga flows just body weight movement that's not too taxing on the central nervous system just to get blood flow and Send them on their merry way. Yeah. Get them, just get them moving. Yeah, just get exactly. some blood flow. Some active recovery type-ish stuff. Yeah. Is there anything, I guess, that you would say, the biggest thing you learned from when you started compared to when are you at now, of uh, things that you changed, whether that be approach towards training, beliefs, anything like that? Yeah, I would just say consistency uh, trumps anything else. Consistency yeah, just be consistent with whatever you do because mm-hmm. I used to think, oh, you know, you need this and then you got to change it every few weeks, blah, blah, blah. Otherwise, you're going to get stale. But that's only if you've got a really large training age yeah. and you've been trained for 20, you know, maybe 10, 15 years and you're lifting super heavy all the time. You might need to rotate a little bit more like Westside does. Mm-hmm. I don't have a central nervous system <laughs> like that. Yeah. Mine is mine, Mine's garbage compared to them. Mm-hmm. So... I think just consistency and you just need minor changes. So if you squat a four by five on one day, maybe the next time you squat, do a three by six. And that's just enough change to provide a different stimulus to your body without changing everything so dramatically. Mm-hmm. So you don't need huge changes and be consistent and keep things simple. I would yeah. say those are my three things. Great advice, especially for all athletes and coaches. Well, thanks for being on today. Appreciate coming in and talking yeah. with all this uh, craziness going on in the world right now. So. <laughs> thanks for having me for our social distance education. <laughs> yeah, we're doing this over um, FaceTime, so don't worry. Yeah. We're, not, we're not spreading anything. <laughs> thanks again, Graham. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man.